0: Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. And so, so I'm sure that most of us have heard probably hundreds of messages uh, regarding the triumph of David over Goliath. Uh, it is a story uh, unlike any other story. It's a story that we hear from uh, children's Sunday school books all the way to mega movies now. And matter of fact, it was uh, Facing the Giants, I think it was the title of one particular movie, that, uh, that it was actually a movie depicting the big big, massive team uh, coming against David, which was the kicker at that particular. How many of you guys have seen that movie? And uh, so so that, it depicted what was going on in the Valley of Elah. Now, in this story, by all intents and purposes, it should not have been won by David. See, when you look at it in the natural, it should not have been won by David because he was the underdog in this, right? But on the surface there was there was no way that this little rut of a man <laughs> could have defeated this powerful foe. However, uh, on the surface you can only see things in the natural. Hello somebody. And so the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 that the natural man cannot discern the things of the spirit of God, nor can he know them because they must be They must be spiritually spiritually discerned so how did David defeat this enemy this nemesis that he had Uh, there are a couple of things I think we need to take note of if we're going to defeat our giants today and I want to share a couple of those things with you is that all right So 1 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 17, it poignantly captures the the intimate details of the events that led up to David facing Goliath. Now, if you read the whole story, you will understand that for 40 days, Goliath taunted and ridiculed King Saul and the armies of Israel. They were intimidated by the size of Goliath and therefore were incapacitated by fear. Oh, let me say that one more time. They were intimidated by the size of what they had to face. Therefore, they were incapacitated by fear. I don't know. I don't know about all of that. So when the king and the army was basking in the fear of men, on the other side of the mountain, David was basking in the fear of God. Hello, somebody. Let me give you this slide here. Write this down if we can get to work. I think we need batteries. There we go. When you've been worshiping in the fear of God, you won't be intimidated by the torments of men. See, there was a different, there was a different atmosphere that was taking place. So here, David, he's been on the backside. Uh, he was watching a few little sheep that it was pretty insignificant. It's like when people have a small business and you have a small ministry, a lot of people won't recognize it you because your name is not so-and-so, and you don't have this many people in your business. You don't have that many people in your ministry, you don't have that many people in your church, and, and so a lot of people don't want to recognize that because you're small, you're insignificant. So that was David. David had a few sheep, didn't have a lot of sheep. Had had a few sheep. So his few sheep, David, was protective of his few sheep because David had a call on his life. And God told him, this is your sheep. You protect your sheep. Be committed to your sheep. These over here, not your sheep. Be careful that you don't try to get anybody else's sheep. Protect your sheep. Amen. And so David was protective of his sheep. One time a lion came and David, David, a little ruddy fellow, killed a lion. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a lion. A lion is not some cute kitty cat. I mean, I've been to the zoo, and thank God there was something in between me and the lion. But a lion is, is massive, and, and when he roars, man, it just goes right through you. Now, this, this is David, a little ruddy, little David, a little ruddy fellow coming up. I got to kill him. A bear came to try to eat up one of the little sheep, and David killed the lion, and he killed the bear. See, this, nobody was around but God. See, if you can't slay things in nothing but the presence of God, you can't slay things in the presence of men. See, unless you get intimate with God and you understand where your power comes from. And most people who try to be powerful publicly don't understand that you first got to be crowned in privately. And if you're not, then your public life is nothing but a facade. And eventually, everybody will see right through you. And they see right through you before you even know it. They already know you over there cheating. They already know. They saw you coming out of that woman's house. Oh, I ain't talking about nobody in here, am I? I don't know anything. If it's you, I'm (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) If you follow these verses closely enough, you will discover the men never once spoke back to Goliath. They never once spoke back to Goliath. Faith comes by hearing, and the only words they heard came from the enemy. And if you only listen to the words of your enemy, you will always stand around in your battle clothes, but you will not engage in the fight. Okay, let me give you a natural example of a spiritual reality since I only got two claps. Okay, so let's look at it this way. These two people here just got married. These two people here got married. Let's just say they had an intimate setting. Let's just say they wanted a very elaborate setting, right? You got 500 people coming. So when you got 500 people coming, there's certain things you got to have in place. First of all, it better be beautiful. You got to have chairs in place. You got to have flowers. You got to have this, that, and the other. You got all your bridesmaids, your bridesmaids. You got all that stuff going on. You got, you got all that mess with the dress. You got all that stuff going on, right? <laughs> Y'all got, you got all that drama. You got all that drama going on, right? And so, so but when the wedding comes, right? It's all that excitement, right? Everybody's getting dressed, going to the wedding. Praise God. We're going to the wedding. But listen, listen. What if the bride only liked getting dressed? She wasn't interested in being committed. So I call it a runaway bride. You do realize we got runaway Christians too? You get dressed. Oh, come on now. Oh God, oh God. You get dressed. You you get dressed to impress too. You actually show up at the church. But you leave the groom at the altar. You a runaway bride. And Jesus is saying, What's going on with you? You say, wait a minute, Jesus. You know what? If I marry you, that means you're gonna have to legislate how I live. Wait a minute, Jesus. I want to come to church and all, but you know what? When you start telling me about my lifestyle, I don't know if I want to be committed to that. Uh You're a runaway bride. See, I don't know, Jesus. I want to be married to you because I want to use all the Christianese stuff, and I want to look like I'm Christian. But hold on, hold on. If I got to act holy and act righteous, I don't know if I want that part of you. I I, I only want to be committed, sort of. (laughs) You, You get dressed for the battle, but you never engage. See, the seven sons of Sceva knew this very well in the book of Acts, where a lot of people know this story, where there were people who did not have an intimate relationship with, with the God of glory, but they saw Apostle Paul and Peter, right? They saw them operate in an anointing who were married to Jesus. See, see if you're not married to Him, the stuff that people can do that are, you can't do. So the seven sons of Sceva said to this demon-possessed man, they said, we are Jew you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So obviously, they did not know Jesus because they had to use Paul as a reference whom Paul preaches. See, I don't, I don't have to say whom Pastor Tim preaches or whom Pastor Lane preaches or whom Elder Yelverton preaches. See, I know who he is so I can use his name. See, I come in his name. I don't have to use somebody else's name as a proxy. Hello, somebody. And so, since they didn't know the Lord of glory, they say, whom Paul preaches, and it wasn't good for them. <laughs> the Bible says that the demon jumped out of the man, jumped on them, beat them like they stole something, and stripped them naked. And they ran out of the house, bleeding. And next, now, now I've been in a, in a few fights, cause I grew up in the hood. So I, bre- I, I, I it's a couple of fights I've been in, just just a few, and I'm I'm just be honest with you, I didn't I didn't win most of them. <laughs> I'm just saying, thank God for His saving grace, cause I lost most of them. So. But every fight, I might have been bleeding, but I was never naked. Now, notice now. (laughs) I mean, you beat my behind, but when you're stripping naked, that's embarrassing, right? I mean, come on. And you're walking through the hood. (laughs) You imagine? That is not a good look. Who said that? That is not a good look. Walking through the ghetto? ain't no good look. Amen. <laughs> hey, now imagine these guys, how embarrassing it is to try to use something that you're not intimately connected to. See, this is what happens, and this is how we look, guys, to God when we try to use God for just gifts. Oh. You look naked. You want the king's things without the king. Now, I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in this church, but you can get it right today, I'm telling you. It's all right. It's all right to get it right today because there was a time I only wanted the king's things. So you're in, you're in the midst of some company, so don't feel embarrassed. This is not a church to embarrass people. This is a church for you to change. So you come to this church as you are so you can change. Amen. All right. If you ain't changing, then the Holy Spirit ain't here. And so since the Holy Spirit is here, you need to change. Hello, somebody. All right. Let me give you another one here. What you hear will determine what you see. Faith comes by what? And hearing the word of God. One of the best things a shepherd provides for you is giving you the word of God. What you hear will determine what you see. A pastor equips you with what you need to get to your next level. So I want to give you some Bible on this. It's in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15 and 16a. I'm going to start reading while you put this in your notes. Listen to this very carefully. It says, and I will give you shepherds to be translated in the Hebrew pastors. He said, I will give you pastors according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Then it shall come to pass when you are multiplied and increased in the land in those days. Wow. Do you do you realize that from the pulpit you can receive a word that can change your whole destiny? That's why God says, I'm going to give you pastures after my own heart, after his own heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Let me tell you something. The knowledge of a thing is not enough. Okay, let me, let, me, let me just give you this one right here. You can share this on Facebook. The knowledge of a thing is not the possession of it. So let me, let me just kind of break that down. Most of you have heard me say this before. I say it a lot because I have to say it to myself a lot. Because just because you know something doesn't mean that you've possessed it. The children of Israel, case in point, the children of Israel, they knew about the land filled with milk and honey. But that first generation, did they actually possess it? No. Why? They were disobedient. They were stiff-necked. People, they wanted to dress like a bride, but didn't want to do the commitment part. Hello, somebody. See, all of this is tied in together. Amen. And so for that, even though they knew about the land filled with milk and honey, the knowledge of it, they didn't possess it. Because God would give you the knowledge. It's up to you to go and possess. See, God didn't say, I'm going to take you and put you in there. God says, you got to go in there. So there are some things, saints of God, that is locked up and you can't get to it because you're waiting for God to go pick it up and put it in your lap. He's not going to do that. You need to take a step of faith. And God says, it's yours. I told you it's yours. Go get it. Oh, God, I'm just waiting for the right people to be a part of my ministry. Oh, God, I'm just waiting for the right size church. Oh, God, I'm just waiting for my finances to be right. God says, you keep waiting. Some of y'all in that waiting on God phase right now. I can ask you, what are you waiting on? I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God to move. God already moved. Now what are you waiting on? <laughs> Hello, somebody. Amen. The knowledge of a thing... It's not the possession of it. So I can feed you with knowledge and understanding, but you got to go out and possess it. So let me share a little bit about the shepherd's bag because this thing is just, uh, it's just amazing to me when I saw this. In the Old Testament, the shepherd's bag, they were used for carrying items that would aid or help or assist or support or serve the sheep. Let me just say that one more time. (laughs) You getting this here? See, in the Old Testament, the shepherd's bags were used for carrying items that would aid, help, assist, support, and serve the sheep. So in the heat of the battle, David picked up five smooth stones. This is what he did not do. He did not put those stones in an apostle's bag. He did not put them in an evangelist's bag. He did not put them in, in, in a, uh, a uh, teacher's bag. Mm-hmm. And he didn't put them in an evangelist bag. Did I get all five? Okay, did I get all of them? Evangelist, prophet, evangelist, teacher. So pastor is a shepherd, right? That's why I left that one out. That was the last one. So notice it said that he picked up five stones and he put those smooth stones In a shepherd's bag. (laughs) The kingdom benefits without being properly submitted and related to genuine spiritual leadership means nothing. People want the kingdom crowns without walking in kingdom character. So the shepherd's bag represents the local community of believers that are submitted under a godly pastor. Uh, I'm trying to walk through this thing slower. Okay. So let me, let me give you this one right here. Let's see if this makes sense to you. The fivefold ministry is only effective when it is gathered in unity and submitted under a shepherd. That's why David put it in a shepherd's bag. Why? Because the shepherd knows how to distribute The fivefold ministry gifts. And there are a lot of people who want to operate in those gifts, but they get those gifts confused. See, these fivefold gifts came from Jesus. They are called the ascension gifts. Why? Because before he ascended, he dropped these gifts down to men. They are considered office gifts. Five, you got the gift of the apostle, you got the gift of the prophet, you got the gift of the evangelist, pastor and teacher. Those are office gifts. These gifts are not to be confused with the gifts that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Those gifts were given by the Holy Spirit. I hope I'm not talking too fast, so let me recapitulate. The first gifts that I talked about, those gifts were given by Jesus Christ, office gifts. The second set of gifts were inspired by the Holy Spirit. The office gift is, say, the gift of a prophet. He has the office of a prophet. But everybody over here can prophesy. But just because you can prophesy does not mean that you can operate in the office of a pro- Is this making sense at all? Oh, let me go back over here. We are all are supposed to evangelize. But over here, there's a specific office gift for evangelism. Hello, like John Dorsey, he is an evangelist to his heart. Uh, Sister Diane, she's an evangelist to her heart. Wow, that's awesome. I'm a shepherd. So when I want to go into areas when we need the office of an evangelist, I step back over here and put her over there. So you don't have time to be jealous of what God is doing because the whole church gets edified because we're all in the shepherd's bag. And what God wants you to do is to figure out which one are you. But since we're all in unity in the shepherd's bag, what does God want to do in your life? And see, if you understand your why, God will show you your way. And when you know your way, you don't have time to be jealous of other people who get in the way. Amen. Somebody said shepherd's, shepherd's bag. So he put those five smooth stones in the shepherd's bag to, under, to, to show us that that is unity under a shepherd because when you got unity under a shepherd, you can take out the giants. Yes. <laughs> that's right. David didn't dig into one kind of bag and that's the shepherd's bag. He pulled the smooth stone out of the shepherd's bag to face the giant he was facing. Hello, hello. So, so can God use you? Yes. Let him pull you from the shepherd's bag. But listen, if you're not in the bag... Uh huh. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. I I felt that. I felt that little tinge. I felt it. I felt it. I had to give a jacket off. Make my head sweat. So I felt that little tinge. So so that means you got to have a shepherd. That's right. Now I'm not advocating anybody joining this church. Y'all know me. You join when God tells you. Because what God has for us, He has for us. I don't even have to worry about it. I don't have to steal anybody's sheep. I'm not I'm not a sheep stealing person. But I do know some sheep will come over here. They start smelling. They're sniffing around. They go, man, I ain't never smelled nothing like that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? They start keeping on came keep coming, right, you know? And before long, they don't even smell like the old shepherd. That's why I had to take people through detox in here because they come in here smelling like the old shepherd. Well, we didn't do that in our church. Well, I ain't your church anymore. I thought this was your church. Amen. So if it was so good, why you ain't there? I'm just saying, right? And I taught y'all last week, stop putting your mouth on other churches. Who cares? Oh, You know what's going on over there? You better close your mouth and pray for those people. That's what God has called us to do. Amen. And so if we can focus more on what God wants to do, we can focus, focus less on what man is doing. Amen. That's what God wants us to focus on. Put, set our minds on things above and not on the earth. Why? Because God wants to use each and every one of us. See, see it, it, might, it might be good to be connected to, to a dentist, but, but I, I, don't, I don't need an anointed dentist. It, it might be good to be connected to a plumber, Sam. <laughs> and Sam is an excellent master plumber. And so, so, listen, I love Sam. I love him. He's my plumber. I love him. But I'm not expecting Sam to be anointed. Amen. I love my doctor. I love Dr. Chin. Dr. Chin is the one who discovered that I had his issue going on, later found out I had cancer. I love Dr. Chin, but I'm not expecting Dr. Chin to be anointed. I love a lot of friends and my coworkers. I love them. They're great people. I love what they do. I love what they present to the company. I love what they do for me on my job. I love them, but I'm not expecting my coworkers to be anointed. But what I always have expected is when I connected to a pastor. That rascal better have some kind of anointing on his life. Because, see, the pastor or the shepherd is the one that can lay hands on you and break that yoke off of your life. Yeah. See, that's why you got to be committed in the shepherd's bag so that that shepherd can remove the burdens off of your life. Hallelujah. Why? Because you're submitted to it. And you get the benefit of what's coming down. Amen. The anointing flow from the head down. How good and how pleasant it is for men to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil that flowed off of the, the head of Aaron, down his beard, down to the skirts of his garment, all the way down to the mountain. For the Bible says, for there God commands the blessing." Don't just think that God, when you're in a place, don't just think that the blessings are just on that pulpit. Amen. If you're not operating on the same blessings, there's something wrong with you. Amen. I, mean, I don't know. I'm in here, but I just, I, I'm just getting a little trickle down. And then maybe be something you need to do different. <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching as a pastor today, so I want to be liked. Trying to keep that apostolic down, cause I want to be liked today. I don't want y'all to don't like me today. <laughs> Does that make sense about the fivefold ministry gifts? Yeah. Amen. So now let's get back into this. I wanted to show that with to share that with you. Uh, so let's get back to seven valuable lessons that we've already talked about. So let's go through these per- quickly because I've already done these. Spiritual weakness affects a whole nat- nation. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so anytime a nation begins to make decisions that are heading in the wrong direction, let me, let me just say this. Anytime decisions are made that, that, that capitulate to immoral, immoral actions, mm-hmm. immoral behavior, you're moving away from righteousness. Is that pretty clear? Now, the Bible is clear. It says righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. Not another government program. I don't care how many government programs we have, it'll never exalt this nation because only righteousness will do it. Hello, somebody. And so so spiritual weakness affects a nation. When we get spiritually weak as a nation or when we get spiritually weak with God, then the nation is weak. That's why we as a body of Christ need to understand we're living in the best hour ever. Because we can make the biggest impact because it's so dark. Yeah. Light shines bright as where? Dark. In darkness. Amen. And the next one we talked about, number two, paralyzing fear is a reproach to God's people. We already talked about fear. I don't think I need to talk about fear anymore. Fear is one of those things, man, that will incapacitate anybody. But, but whatever you're afraid of, it hadn't happened yet. Isn't that interesting that you're afraid of something that hadn't took place? Yeah. Oh, I'm afraid to do that because something might happen. Well, it hadn't happened yet. oh, I'm afraid to to get that job because I might do good. (laughs) You're afraid of something that hasn't happened. I think it was Joyce Myers said that fear is false evidence appearing real. It's not real. Your mind makes it real. But it hasn't happened yet. And God says, I haven't given you the spirit of fear. So why do you fear? Because you fear in your flesh. Your spirit is never afraid. It's your flesh that's afraid. So if, if you get that, that report from the doctor and your heart starts pounding and, and you begin to lose blood from your brain, and you're almost about to pass out, that's fear in your flesh. It doesn't mean that your spirit was afraid about that. Hello, somebody. Let's make sure we don't try to mix the two. Hello. All right. Number three, everyone has something to give. Saints of God, you've got to understand that everybody in this church has something to give. God has placed a gift in everybody in this church, and you should be a part of a church that's interested in seeing you develop and grow. See, that's why I love being the pastor of this church, because I'm not jealous of anybody's gift. I want you to excel. I want you to go bigger, better, greater than I can go. I will be your biggest cheerleader, because I don't have to speak to 10,000 if I can get you there. If I can get you there, then I can applaud from the audience and say, boy, I knew that was coming. And I can be excited about it because if I can put you out there to speak to 10,000, I am speaking to 10,000. Hello, somebody. See, that's the way you got to do it because you got to understand that when you give into other people, you, you also show them who they can be. Not who they are. So you got to see them beyond their situations and their circumstances. You got to see them beyond depression, beyond anxiety attacks, beyond the hurt, the pain, the disappointments in life. You got to see, first you better see yourself beyond that, but then you can't take people where you've never been. So you got to get out first. And maybe the way you get out is by helping others get out. And so you've got to see people beyond where they are. See, 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 one of the things about the Marine Corps, I have a, a big, big uh, poster on my wall. I love this. I was given, uh, it was given to me by some people who used to report to me at another bank. And um, it, it's, it, it's a group of Marines because I served in the Corps, and it says this. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It says, the value of a leader is one who leaves behind himself and others the conviction to carry on. Man, I read that thing all the time because, see, I know my why. My why is to add value to the lives of other people. I know that's why I live. I live to add value to people. If you ever come around me, by the time you leave, you're going to be motivated. Yeah. If you ever talk to me just for a little while, you're going to be motivated. Just, just come and just, just brush up against me. I'm going to say something nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say, you brushed up against me because you bad. You awesome. You know you awesome. You know how bad you are. You know how awesome you are? See, people need to be encouraged. Because they go through so much stuff to discourage them in life. Come on, the biggest person that discourages us is us. Soon as God says something for you to do, you go, "Well, God, I, hmm." You know, remember that. Remember that message. You might have a big butt. Not not B-U-T-T, Not B-U-T-T. So so just but but. Every time God tells you, something, God, I want to do that," but so you might have a big butt. Now don't look back. Just just. Let me move on from that because I felt something rumbling there. <laughs> Disobeying God has consequences. I think we all know that, right? How many ever disobeyed God by sure of hands? So, so there were was, was some consequences, wasn't it? Right, so I don't think I need to go back into that. You got to listen to the podcast. Go to number five, but this is where we stop. Overcoming adversity prepares us for greater levels. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I I wanted to get to that part right there because we need to understand that it's the adversities that lifts up our faith. See, a rubber band is not even effective unless you stretch it. And so what God is preparing, I'm sorry, I've got to say this, my bad. (laughs) You're nothing but a bunch of rubber bands. You're not even useful until you get stretched. I heard y'all feel you feel that little rumble? Pastor, I don't know what you're saying. I'm doing enough right now. I'm being stretched right now. Well, the very fact that you're complaining about it means you're not stretched. God said, no, there's some more stretching I got to do. See, I'm, 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 it's, it's hard, ain't it, Sam? <laughs> ain't, ain't that why God said, well, you know what? Since I know you better than you know yourself, I know where to stretch you. And see, the, the, moment, the moment we understand that the stretching is going on, we got to go back to that point of disobedience. Okay, God, you're stretching me, but what was that last point of disobedience? Because once you go back to that last point of disobedience and obey, then he said, okay, now I can stop stretching you. Come on, come on, come on. I, I, we all read the Scripture. Oh, God, I want to go from faith to faith. Oh, it's nice and pretty. But you forgot about the two. See, see, you can't go from faith, faith. You got to go from faith. See, see, let's pause. Faith, pause. That's the two. Well, what's happening in this two? Oh, boy, that's what a, oh, God, that's when your car stops, that's when you have a flat tire, that's when your job says, you know, it's been nice, and it's been real, and it's been real nice, but today is your last day up in here. See, that's the two-something. Uh-huh, that's the two-something. Two when you go to the doctor, you're just going for a routine examination. The doctor says, I got to tell you, you have cancer. Oh, so that, that, that's the two. Because without the two, you can't stretch your faith. You just don't go from faith. You're, you're, let me tell you something, saints. I, the, okay? Let me just say this personally in my life. I have never, ever gone further in my faith without having to go through something. Now, now, if that's you, I need you to lay hands on me. Because if you stretch your faith and you don't even have to go through anything, I need you to lay hands on me because I don't have that anointing. I'm telling you, I, I, oh boy, me and Elaine, woo, boy, we have to go through some stuff. And I'm saying, like, and man, God, we just came through one because we are all in one or three places. We are in a problem going into a problem or coming out of one. So you And you might be in a problem, coming out of a problem, out of a problem, in a problem. And you might be in two or three problems while you're in the problem. And you're trying to figure out that problem because your A plan didn't work in that problem. So you did your B plan in that problem. That problem didn't work. So you had your F plan. And then you had your F1 and your B2 and your C3. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody know what I'm talking about in here. Come on, come on. I knew about all of that stuff. Got all these little things. You got your plan. God if, it, God, if you don't come through here, I got this little plan. Well, you're not really trusting God. Amen. Romans 8 and 18 says this. Check this out. Romans 8, 18. It says, consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Isn't that I'll See, when I when I think about that, all the women in here that that have had children, about show show of hands, You had you had babies, right? Men men, we do not have a high pain threshold, so that's why God let women have babies. Cause we get a little paper cut and we about to cry. Oh God, uh, you see? And so <laughs> so women they have a high tolerance for pain. Now, ladies, uh, sometimes right. <laughs> So, ladies, you remember now when, when that child was being born, now you have to confirm this because I never had a baby, not, nor will our anatomy ever. I don't care what the scientists think they can do. A man would never be able to have a baby. You can look like a woman, but you would never have a baby. I don't care what the doctors try to fix. You would never have a womb to carry a baby. I'm just saying, just like to throw that out there. You can switch like a woman, but you would never have a baby. You can talk like one, you would never you can have long hair and you can take all kinds of pills you want to take, but a man will never have a baby. Amen. And so, so now, women, you go through all of that pain, hours and hours and hours of labor pains and contractions and cussing people out. <laughs> throwing bedpans, get out of my room. <laughs> Little sweet women just cussing folks out, right? <laughs> but then when you see that precious baby you don't even think about all of that pain anymore that's right. why because the glory of what has just been presented to you that that pain does not even compare right that's what apostle, that's what that's what uh apostle paul is saying in romans chapter 8 verse 18 he said for this this light affliction Come on, saints of God. It's not even a big affliction that we're going through. I had to go through cancer, but that was a small affliction. It wasn't big. You know what I call a big affliction? Job. See, I had to go through that and go through radiation, but my my wife never told me to cuss God and die. That's, ooh, God going to get you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Kids die. All your resources dry, Bank account, zero. And then then your body is struck. Your friends, they don't understand. Uh Uh-huh. And then the last thing, the one person that you thought you can count on, and you come home thinking you're going to get a clap and get a slap. You thinking you're coming home to be appreciated. Oh, you a strong man of God. Your friends left you. Our babies died. The resources dried up. But boy, we're gonna make it with God. Oh, Job said, Paya! Curse God and die. Why are you trusting God in the first place? Man, that's pretty that's that, now, that's some affliction. To me, that's not light. No. That wouldn't be light for me. It might be light for you, but it's not light for me. Right? So, so this little stuff we're going through. Let me just see if I can make another natural example of a spiritual reality. How many of you have ever had your back strapped with 39 lashes of a cat 09 tails to where your ribs were exposed and the blood dripped down so much to where you, you, you almost just lost your whole mind because you're being strapped so hard? How many of you ever had a crown of thorns on your head? See, this little light affliction we're going through can't even be compared to the glory that's on the other side of that cross. Hello, somebody. How many of you has ever had to hang up on a cross? Because they they hung him high and wide. And it wasn't even the nails that held him up there. It was a love for humanity. Because all he had to say was, nails get out. And the nails would have popped out. So it was the love for you and I that held him on the cross. And since we have never, ever had to endure anything that significant, this stuff we're going through, you can get through it. Yeah. Why? Because we can trust the cross. See, see we, 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 don't, we don't have... A God or Savior who's unfamiliar with the feelings of our infirmities, but a God who was in all points also tempted, but without sin. See, that's the kind of God we serve. See, the God I serve is not Allah. See, I take issue with that because Allah is not a personal God. Allah wasn't the one who was there with me that got me off of alcohol. It was Elohim. And I say that name. I don't care where I am. Get off around me if you don't like it. I'm going to say the name of Jesus. And saints, we got to stop getting punked out by people. If they don't like the God you serve, they don't have to be around you. I'm telling you right now, you don't like my God, you don't have to be around me. Oh, Pastor John, you got, you got all this scripture around your desk. You don't like it? Get away from my desk. Matter of fact, let me write another one Read it. <laughs> we we need to we need to stand saints. We need to stop being bowed down Christians in this uh, stand. We need to be stand up Christians in this bowed down world, because the whole world is bowing down, and y'all know what they are bowing down to. Don't make me get into that. That's a whole another message. <laughs> Amen. And so we need to take a bold stand. I remember one time I was at a place, uh, uh, this is an old story, but uh, I was at a different bank, and they asked me to pray over the food. They said, uh, John, you're, you're a religious man. Notice they said, you're a religious man. I ain't have time to break him down because I am not a religious man. I'm a Christian. See, there's a difference between religion and Christianity. <laughs> Amen. See, religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is God's attempt to get to man. So anyway, it's totally different. So I said, uh, sure, I'll pray. Man, I prayed over that food. I said, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <laughs> food was blessed. <laughs> I didn't eat a lot of it because, you know, you can't eat everybody's food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I watch people at work. Yes. I know. I watch their clothes. If you got little hairs on that black dress, I'm not eating nothing from your plate. <laughs> what, what, what did you bring, sister? Uh, you brought macaroni and cheese. Praise the Lord. It sure looks good, but I ain't getting no because all them little hairs on there, all them little hairs going to be in that, and you be eating macaroni and cheese, and you be like, "Mm, mm, God. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just have to give you truth. My bad, my bad. I mean, if y'all want me to get all religious on you, I'm still not going to do it. So listen, and and so later on, one of the VPs came up to me and said, "Um, hey, hey, John, uh, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure, sure, what's up? He said, "Um, you know, we don't want to offend anybody you know you know when you when you finished that prayer it was great it was a great prayer but at the end when you you said you know when you really put your religion out there you know we we really don't advocate doing that because we won't, don't want to offend anybody and i said i said jim i didn't ask you to pray you came to me so therefore since you came to me I'm going to pray the way I pray. Next time, you go get somebody else. I can pray over my own food. I don't have to pray over anybody else's food, but I got to pray over my food because I don't trust none of y'all up in here. Is that clear enough? Stand for Jesus. Let me tell you why I can stand for Jesus. Because not one of those people was around me when I was about to take my life. Not one of those people were around me when I had to get off of alcohol. Not one of those people were around me when I was suffering getting radiation. Yeah. But Jesus was there. Yeah. And so if I can't call that name, then I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to pray for anybody. I go privately and call on the name of Jesus. Yeah. Talk to me, Somebody. Overcoming adversity prepares us for greater levels. If you keep praying to God, God, I want a greater level. Boom, this happened. God, I want a greater level. Boom, that happens. And you say, God, I can't get to the level because stuff keeps happening. And God says, that is part of the way. And we keep looking at mountains and stuff like that. We say, God, this mountain is in the way. God says, boo, the mountain is not in your way. The mountain is a part of your way. And if you understand how to deal with your giants, and if you don't understand how to deal with your situations, if you understand how to deal with your mountains, God said, I'll give you a press down, shaking together, running over miracle in your life. Why? Because your faith is getting expanded. I thank God for the stuff that I've gone through, and I'm ready for the next challenge. Why? Because I've been praying for another level, and I can't get to another level without adversity. See, we get too comfortable. And see, sometimes when we get too comfortable, God has to come in and disturb it. Okay. All right. I know. know. Y'all want some more of this? All right. Let me give you some more. Let me go to the next thing. Oh, I can't use this. Go ahead, Max, to the next one. Don't allow your troubles to weaken your faith. Your troubles should strengthen your faith. Hello, 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 somebody. But if we're not careful, we will act like a little weakling. And you'll see it too. Hey, what's happening? Well, Man, every time I'm going to do something, man, every time I'm going to do something. He yeah. ain't got one thing. I got another He ain't got another thing, man. Oh, ain't something going on. Man, you better pick your head up. Are you saved? Man, man, I think i think. I Are you saved? I think I'm saved. I go to that church. Just <laughs> so Because you go to a certain church don't mean you're saved. Then maybe you need to go ahead and get it right with God. Mm-hmm. Get it right with him first, and then he can show you what he's going to do with that adversity and that trouble that you're going through. Because he's going to use it to get you to your next level. Somebody's getting ready. mm -hmm. Somebody's getting ready to move to the next level in here right now. Because let me let me let me share this with you. At the point where the fight gets the greatest, it's when you're closest to your miracle. Because that's the point where we want to give up. Don't give up when you're right at the precipice of capitalizing on what God has for you. And a lot of people get right to the edge and they go, God, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And God says, you were so close to the miracle. Don't do it, saints. I don't care how bleak it looks. I don't care how hard it looks. Just go ahead and take that next step and say, God, I'm a free fall. Listen, whoever, come hell or high water, I'm doing it, Lord. Somebody say, come hell or high water. I'm going with you. Come on, come on, come hell or high water. Go with God. It's not, it's not, it's not, it, listen, 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 it ain't going to be easy. Everybody's not doing it. It's only a select few. Do you know that God says in Old Testament that there's only going to be a remnant in the church? Let me give you a scripture that might blow your mind. You're going to muse on this later on, and I want you to find it on your own. I'm not going to even give you the verse and text. you got to find it. If the righteous scarcely make it through. That's what the scripture says, that the righteous will scarcely make it through. Oh, man, that scares me because i like, shoot, I thought I was okay. But if the righteous scarcely make it through, and the Bible goes on to say, well, what would the wicked do? Oh, that means you need to go ahead, stop dressing like the bride and be the bride. Amen. Go to the next one, Max, because I got to get these people out of here. Your valley experiences are opportunities to build your faith. Does that make sense at all? I don't need to even elaborate on that, do I? Hey, come on. Go to the next one. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. <laughs> That's what Zachariah said in 410. He said, is it not wise to despise the days of small beginnings? Listen, bigger and more beautiful is not necessarily better. Go to the next one. Write this down. Write this down. Go to the next one. God rejoices in what is right, not necessarily in what is big. Just because something is big and you think they might be doing stuff for God don't necessarily mean God is in it. See, some, some ministries can be built on charisma. Some ministries are built on charisma. Let me tell you how I know. Because soon as that one person falls or dies or something happens, the church is dissolved. Why? That whole ministry was built on the charisma of one person. A lot of ministries like that today. And I pray for them because if something happens to that pastor, the sheep going to scatter. Right? Which is why I love promoting leaders. Something happens to me, we got leaders, boom, pop up. Take over the ministry. You need to have that. In corporate America, we call it succession planning, that you always have someone waiting in the wings that are qualified to take over. Isn't it interesting that corporate America may be much wiser than the church? Let me tell you why. It's called arrogance, because a lot of pastors don't think other people can do better than them. (laughs) See, I'm just one of those pastors, I don't care if you can do anything better than me. I just want to be next to you. So we all can look good together. Right. See, I have capitalized on putting people smarter than me around me. <laughs> you think I'm smart. No, it's the people <laughs> around me. So those smart people make me look good. Right. Well, Pastor, that was sure nice. You just don't know. That was five people touched that. <laughs> Amen? Amen? It's just like you, you write a book. When you write a book, you got to have an editor. And and people are gonna read your book like you're gonna read mine. You better go buy my book because it's gonna be out this summer. All right. So <laughs> it's with the editor's now. So when my book comes out, you're gonna read it, you're gonna go, ooh, boy, that Pastor John, boy, he laid that thing down. But it was my editor that took all of my words and put it all together and make it make it read like I was trying to say it. I just didn't know how to say it because I got too much stuff I'm trying to say. That makes sense? So listen, saints of God. God rejoices in what is right, not necessarily in what is big. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. Listen, start where you are. Uh, listen to me closely, guys and women, ladies, men, children, all of you guys. Usually, when you start something, you start small. You, you don't you don't start off like Trump with fourteen million dollars. I mean, you start off with fourteen million, then you can do something. Amen. But since we didn't, we started. We're starting from small beginnings, Mm -hmm. right? T.D. Jakes didn't have the potter's house when he was in West Virginia, heating the church with an old barrel in the middle of the church with wood and had like three people in his church. See, people see those nice suits and his clothesline. You see that big potter's house church, which is gorgeous. I've been up in there. That thing is nice. You see all of that great stuff, but you just might not understand where he came from. He didn't despise those days. I'm not despising these days. We started with three people in our living room. And then we began to grow from there. But even in the living room, I was still seeing thousands. Amen. Amen. But see, I don't see thousands like most pastors. I don't, I don't necessarily see thousands in a church that I'm a pastor. I see thousands of people that you touch. If I touch him, he touches other people, then I am touching other people through him. Right. So I'm seeing thousands because of the people you're going to touch because I get an opportunity and a blessing, blessing that I have to touch you. So if God does bless me with a thousand member church, I, whatever. It's done. It's, he's going to do it. I'm not doing it because I didn't build this church on charisma. This church is built on the foundation of love that is orchestrated by the anointing of God. And so when you came in today, what did you feel? You felt love. Why? Because God is in the house. Because God is love. Not that God does love. He is love. Without God, there's no love. Pretty simple. Yeah. The Lord's cause does not depend on the elaborate man-made methods for its success. It's the anointing of God. All right, last one, and we're done. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the Valley of Accord, a Valley of Compromise. So I'm done with the Valley of Eli. Come on and give. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.